Ahoy there, matey. Welcome aboard the world of boating. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. You're going to need a bigger boat. Brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. I was just looking in to buy a boat of my own. Call World of Boating toll-free now at 1-888-28-BOAT. That's 1-888-828-BOAT. And welcome, this is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick, Mike the Mariner, and filling in for Barry the Boater, we have uh, uh, Mark Knoll. Uh, we, we has joined us. He is a marine surveyor, and uh, I got that right, didn't I, uh, Mark? Matt. 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 I'm sorry, Matt. 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 Started with an M. Yeah, you know, you you and I had a discussion about not doing this, <laughs> so we'd be more concise. And that's uh, why I yeah. did it. That's exactly Matt. you put that little uh, earworm, you know, uh, thought in my head, and I totally screwed it up, Matt. So I apologize. I, I tried. I tried. Yeah, we got to start the show off on a, a troubled note because that's just what we do. But he is going to fill in. Uh, you know, for Barry the boater, and probably uh, do much better than what Barry typically does anyway. So. <laughs> Uh, the bar's pretty low, Matt, if that makes you feel well, any better. Glad to be here. <laughs> All right, good. Very very good. All right, so we got a bunch of stuff to navigate through uh, when it comes to latest boating news and information today. A uh, couple things I want to get out there. Uh, I have officially booked my Virgin Voyage cruise at the end of, the, uh, end of this month, and I'll be reporting to you. Now, this is kind of a – I know this is a contentious issue with our crew – if you go on a cruise, doesn't count. You're not a boater, but I I disagree. But uh, regardless of how you feel about that, uh, this is a new entry to the cruising market from Sir Richard Branson, and uh, I'm going to go on one of these uh, like five night cruises out of Miami and and see what he's done. He's kind of stirred up things a, a bit in the cruise industry. No kids, uh, a different kind of approach to cruising. They're they're you know targeting a, a younger adventurous crowd like myself. And so I'm going to go uh, take a look and see if indeed it is a lot different. And, you know, he's a big-time sailor himself. He's a big-time boater. So, it'll, you know, it has a lot of nautical themes, I hear, on this cruise ship, as as you would expect. So it'll be interesting to see. Patrick, what do you think? Well, um, we've never asked Matt this question, and, and, yeah. and Matt is joining us from uh, Noel Marine uh, Surveys, noelmarine.com. Uh, Matt, if you are a passenger on a cruise ship— does that make you a boater? I'm going to say no. <laughs> well, that's okay. I, I, I said. On a cruise, and, and, and I don't want to go on a cruise, but if I had to go on a cruise, uh-huh. it would be on one of these Virgin Cruises. I know a couple of guys working for the company yeah. uh, in, the, in the office or in maintenance and repair roles. And like you mentioned, they've shaken things up. I hear pretty good things about the quality of service and the type of the vessel okay um so if well, i if i was forced to go on a cruise that's where i'd go well there you it, go it'd be it'd be at gunpoint for me all right well likewise. time will tell you know like i said we'll have to wait and see how things uh, progress and uh we'll have a full report here so, in about a month so is this basically like hedonism on the water i don't know we're gonna have to wait a month and find out that's why i'm going patrick I, I'm I'm going to go out in the field and report for the world of boating. That's just what we do. We we Jabba. make those sacrifices and and drink, you know, with their unlimited drink package kind of deals and take advantage mm-hmm. of all the stuff and eat too much. 
And you have in your heart, you have in your heart, you have in your heart checked out before you go. Oh hell no! I don't want any limitations in that regard when you're about to do an <laughs> oh. adventure like that. Come on. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, uh, that'll happen in about a month. We'll get the lowdown on that. But the other stuff going on, we mentioned this last week. There seems to be an influx of super yachts hitting the market anytime soon. Uh, former Russian super yachts. And then, you know, there was, uh, we thought it was only a handful, like, I don't know, 10 or so last week, but now I've seen reports there's as many as like, like 60 around the world and they're running for their lives. <laughs> I mean, they're cruising <laughs> all over and I, I don't know what this, uh, is going to mean eventually for, for the super yacht boat market with that many potentially going up for auction or something, uh, and maybe event, I, I don't know how these repossessions work long-term. But I don't know, Mark uh, or Matt, do you have uh, any issues when it comes? Uh, do you see an influx of uh, marine surveys on super yachts coming up? You see that on your radar, I, I maybe? <laughs> I, I really don't. And part of it lies in the definition of what's going on. They're being sanctioned, not repossessed. Um, and that's a whole separate sidebar in the financial world. But basically, it means the owners of those boats can't do any financial transactions with them specifically in us dollars when it's the u.s government sanctioning them yeah and what that means is they can't buy fuel they can't pay their crew they can't buy groceries so they're stuck at the dock bills unpaid crews walking off and they really can't sell them so where does this go down the road it may take years to shake out there was a big one that's at lursen in germany going they're going refit yeah and the crew just walked out it was in the media um they couldn't get paid where does that end up for now? Lurson's doing work on it. They're putting a crew on it to maintain it probably because they're first in line to get a lien on it or, or whatever it may be over in, in Germany right. uh, for their unpaid bills. So there's going to be, you know, it, it sounds kind of exciting when you mention it, but when you think through it for people who work in the boating industry, there's going to be a lot of unpaid vendors and crew who may well be Americans. So we think we're doing the patriotic thing, but there's some of our own who are going to be unpaid out of all this. Well, I I don't doubt that's the case. But, you know, if they start putting all these liens and however this process process works, like you said, eventually, you know, they're going to rack up enough money. Well, hey, we're just going to take ownership of the the, uh, vessel. I mean, mean, these are like billion or million dollar yachts or, you know, like several hundred million. It, so it, it might take a it, while, but it it will be if any of those actually manage to get their way to court because that's where they would head. You're you're fifteen twenty years by then. Uh, the boats are probably going to be in such disrepair that right. e- even they're going to call Matt. Matt's going to come out there. Let me ask you something, Matt. How how many days would be involved? Take your your uh, typical, let's say Abramovich's the Eclipse. How many days to survey that boat? Well, look, that's that's always a challenge. What kind of survey do people want? But to really know what, what's going on, it takes a crew of two or three guys, three to four days minimum, and, and possibly more to get a really good handle on it. You'd want to dry dock it, go through engines. You could easily spend a week on it. Greg volunteers. Hey, if, I, know, if I get you know, uh, first he's dibs. A boater. If I get first dibs, I'm in, yes. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he, he's been on cruise ships. So that qualifies him as a marine surveyor now, in addition to a boater. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah, so uh, so we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. But, uh, you know, I thought it was – it's turning into a bigger deal, though, because this, this could affect a lot of super yachts. I mean, there's only a few hundred, I think, worldwide. And if 
I mean, this is like 20% or at least or 25% of the entire super yacht population or something. Well, it we, might be we, in jeopardy. We, we talked about the definition of yachts, super yachts, mega yachts, all that. And that definition is is really open to a lot of interpretation. Because <laughs> um, uh, uh, accordingly, Mike has a super yacht. They're docked in Sanford. If he, if he wanted to say so, who's to dispute him? Hardly. <laughs> <laughs> It's Hardly bragging rights, as it should be. Yeah. He should well, have a for, shot for San for Sanford. That is a super yacht. Okay. Oh no, there's a se- there's an Italian there's a seventy two foot Italian uh, vessel in our marina. Really? That is okay. A, yeah. You, you yeah. don't have any Russian vessels though. Uh, there, do you? No Russian vessels. Okay, just no. checking. At least not as far as you know. But, there's some uh, Taiwanese trawlers. There's, uh, of course, American boats, the Italian vessel. And there's an aluminum, a 65-foot aluminum yacht that uh, I'm told used to be owned by Tony Curtis. Mm, okay. Well, that's kind of a, a good deal. Uh, Which, for our, the majority of our listening audience, they probably have no idea who Tony Curtis well, he, is. He was in the uh, Gidget uh, movie. It was you know, one yeah. Oh. I don't know. I Wasn't just... He? I just Tony Curtis, Jack Lemon, yeah, all those Some guys. Like It Hot, right. you know, yeah, all the, all those good movies. Yeah, if you're yeah. fans, you, you'll you'll yeah. you might want to search them out. If you're not, you might want to you know uh, repossess his boat. <laughs> uh, one one of the things that uh, hopefully Matt after this show agrees to come back on air with us again. Not likely, um, but he was recently in Orlando for a conference, and that organization that um, was there in the insurance end of things is probably worth a mention in a, another show, what they do, how, how that kind of all works, because that could play into these super yachts, too. Now you got insurance companies involved, um, things of that nature. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, well, we'll have to get deeper into that as well, possibly, and find out what, what's going on with that. But uh, there are some other stories that you want to, I don't know, you want to kind of navigate through yourself, don't you, Patrick? Uh, there are, and we we've got some stolen boat stories. We got some possible stolen boat stories. We have got, nothing to do with Russian oligarchs, just for the record. Absolutely not, because uh, we're just going to move on forward. So uh, this past week, over in the Marco Island area, there was an incident offshore. The, the this group went out, and there was an incident, and uh, they couldn't. They sent out uh, an SOS. And uh, their friends got involved with finding them. We're going to find out what happened when they got back to the dock. There you go. That's coming up next on the World of Boating. Stay close. You're listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. Hosting a radio show about scuba diving and boating is one of the best gigs on the planet. It's actually part of my job to check out and report on cool new products I personally use to enhance my diving and boating adventures. However, I do believe in sharing the joy, and this is why we've added Nanook protective hard cases to our list of products you can now purchase on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Nanook cases are designed to protect the most sensitive equipment in the harshest environments. Underwater photographers, listen up. From their high-impact NK 
resin to their exclusive Power Claw latches. Nanook has raised the bar for those of you that demand the best protection for your gear. Plus, Nanook protective cases cost less than similar products currently on the market. The company has been around for over 15 years, but it's new to the U.S., so we've made a small number of Nanook cases available exclusively for you at a special introductory price on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Go there now and check out Nanook, the evolution of protection. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. Even Keatley wasn't ready for me or anything that followed. Chased by a police department led by his ex-girlfriend and hunted by brain-fork-wielding Fijian assassins, it's everything he can do to keep from getting locked up, killed, or worse. Kava Screw is available as an ebook for $2.99 at Amazon.com. Kava Screw. Put a brain fork in him. He's done. successfully navigated the sea of commerce and now are clear to cruise with the world of boating. I do like the one. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. The sun, the sea air, good friends. Brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. What you doing in my waters? Just taking the air, you know, not fishing. But then how come this hook's in my head, Paul? I want to go fishing. Cause it takes my stress away I wanna go fishing Try and cast my blues away I wanna go fishing I don't want to watch the clock I wanna go fishing I don't ever wanna stop This is the World of Boating Greg the First Mate Captain Patrick Mike the Mariner Matt Knoll uh, marine surveyor and uh, fill in for Barry the boater this week. I, he's already outperformed what Barry usually contributes. I'll say that because he's not here and I can totally bust his balls, Matt. And that's just what we do here in the world of boating. They don't show up for work. Look out. The gloves come off. All right. So it's all good, but uh, we appreciate you helping out today for sure. All right. So Patrick, we got a guy who took a boat. Technically, I guess he stole it, but it, I don't know. The, was that the story? Was it was that the story where he actually no. um, he he was taking it to go find his buddies? Is that the okay. one? So or no, it's it's apparently it's his boat. The story is kind of still evolving, but okay. Uh, Yadian Perez Prats uh, did not make that up, <laughs> and I think I've got that pronounced correctly. If not, too bad. Um, so he gets uh, these friends went out. He got an SOS from them. He jumps in his boat and. Uh, uh, heads out, and then he starts running low on gas. Anyway, he gets back to the dock. Law enforcement is there, and they start going through his boat, searching for you know their their the his the numbers, the HIN numbers 
uh, hull identification numbers, which is uh, akin to a VIN or vehicle identification number for your car. Uh, nothing adds up. Nothing matches up. And when that story posted, uh, Matt uh, had messaged us. And uh, Matt, what do you say? So you mentioned that conference I was at earlier. Yes, I did. International Association of Marine Investigators. And uh, it's educational for me. That's why I go there. And it's half uh, private industry people like myself, marine surveyors, and half law enforcement guys. And uh, the law enforcement guys come from all around the country, different states. And this is well before this story broke. A number of these law enforcement guys made comments like if they are doing a safety check or for some other reason come across a boat where they can't find the uh, serial number on an engine or a jet ski or the hull ID number on a boat, they immediately arrest that individual. And I, I was oh. kind of taken aback by that because I see a lot of boats where, as far as I can tell, there's nothing malicious going on and that information is not available. So it just creates a available. like a paperwork mm-hmm. nightmare for them. Or like, hey, what are you doing with this? Yeah. This doesn't have a number on it. How do we know it's not stolen? That ain't your boat. Hey, you're well, going to the pokey. What, what, what happens, Greg, or what happened back uh, in the manufacturing industry Go back uh, a couple decades, and the HIN numbers were basically made with a label maker, and that tape was then cut, placed in the mold, taped in place, and then the layup of the the hull begins. And when the part would get pulled out of the mold, and that black or that plastic uh, sheath would get pulled off, basically you wound up with an embossment uh, set into the hull. Usually, HINs on the hull, you're going to find starboard aft under the rub rail. Now, over the years, that could get worn away if there was a repair done in that area, wasn't replaced, uh, if a, a swim platform was added over the top of it. Now, how do you know, you know, if the HIN is correct for that boat? There is a second one that should be on the starboard side deck. Usually, you're going to find it uh, on, you know, a dual console boat. You're going to find it behind the combing panel, possibly underneath the helm, something like that. Uh, so there is a second one, and those are the, the mm-hmm. phone calls, the emails that I get from law enforcement is, where did you guys place the uh, the secondary HIN? And going back, you know, I just due to my length of service at the company that I work for, I can go back with a certain degree of confidence, back, probably back to about 1983, 84, and tell them where to find and how to access uh, that second HIN. Okay. And I guess, Matt, that is uh, one of the things you do as a surveyor to make sure if someone's looking at a boat to purchase, especially a used boat, uh, you you find all those numbers for them so they don't have a problem down the road, I assume? No, that's a common misconception. No, you don't do that. So the actual hull ID number, which is usually on the starboard transom, it gets recorded. Yeah. Engine serial numbers, if they're accessible without spending hours looking for them, they get recorded and photographed. Beyond that, no. I don't know of any marine surveyors that go much beyond that. That secondary HIN that Patrick just mentioned, mm-hmm. you oftentimes have to disassemble something to access it, if Got you it. can even find it. I just redid a boat of my own. It was built in 96. I cut the whole boat into pieces to restore it. I never came across a secondary HIN. <laughs> well, but, the, but you would look for the first uh, first one, though, Absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and what I encourage people to do, there's a website called BoatHistoryReport.com, uh, business plug, they're doing good things. It's like Carfax for a boat. Mm-hmm. There's valuable information there. It's uh, I forget the exact cost. You can go online and a boat buyer can pay for it. 
And there's a lot of useful information there. It's a good check for, for people. Yeah, Sounds I, good. I, I, I what a survey does. I would say, you know, if I'm a if I'm looking at a used boat and say I'm looking at one that's got the embossed uh, HIN, the starboard transom below the rub rail, and let's say, you know, a 30-year-old boat, maybe it doesn't look as pristine, maybe it's got some hull oxidation and stuff like that, but if that HIN looks <laughs> literally brand new, uh, to me that sets off a bit of a warning because uh, it's it, doing an HIN on a hull and not that anybody ever does this in selling a boat, but it is not too difficult to change an HIN on the hull. And that's where Matt and I both talking about the one that's on the deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on the era of manufacture, there's components that you may have. It's not easy on some of those boats to get to that second one. On the newer boats, I'd say stuff that's been built in the last 10, 12 years, much, much easier to find, to get access to, but and probably unless you call the manufacturer, you're not going to know where to look to find it. Mike the yeah. Mariner, what say you? Well, uh, mine's in two different locations. Uh, under the under the uh, bench on the on the fantail, and then also uh, there's a hatch uh, in the stateroom that you pull up, and when you look down, like where the uh, the servos are for the trim tabs. There's uh, another HIN down there. Well, there you go. You should, now we you know. should have one. You should have one on your deck as well. Uh, the the one on the fantail is on the deck. That's, that's part of the deck. Yeah, and, right. and it's it's out invisible. No. Okay. Uh-oh. No. Red flag. No, no, that's, no, that's, no, no. That, that it should it should not, if it's on the deck, it, it chances are it's not visible. That's what we were saying. The oh, one on okay, the deck okay. is is the one that's usually hidden. And oftentimes very difficult to find uh, in, in locating that. And, you know, due to the age of a boat that you may be looking at, is it possible that the engine was changed out at some time? Certainly possible. Um, that's why hiring a marine surveyor like, like Matt uh, comes into play to make sure that everything is legal and that boat that you're getting ready to buy, you're not going to get arrested like this guy did yeah you don't want that you don't want to buy a new boat and then find out the next day you're about to be arrested that'd be a bad day more coming up you're listening to the world of boating radio network This is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick, Mike the Mariner, and Matt Knoll, Marine Surveyor Extraordinaire. I mean, uh, Grand Poobah, Marine Surveyors. I don't know. What, what kind of title do you like to give yourself? Just Marine Surveyor? Or do you add another adjective on there, Matt, when you've been drinking? Uh, I like that one extraordinaire that you just did. Okay. All right. We I'll can we that. can leave that. Uh, leave that in there. You might want to change your business cards. Put that on there. Uh, Grand Grand Poobah of Marine Surveyor. No, that doesn't sound as good. Extraordinaire. I agree with you. It has a ring to it. All right. So, uh, so you know, you want to look out for your number so you make sure that uh, the boat you own, you can prove it, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Right, Patrick? Well, it's it's, so so that, yeah, that you can show that the boat that you have a title to, hopefully, um, it, the numbers line up and it doesn't come up as a stolen vessel or those numbers are just some numbers that somebody made up. Uh, 
you know, I've come across in the market where people take an older, uh, maybe uh, I'm not going to say manufacturer, but a domestic U.S. manufacturer's boat, and they'll update it with current graphics and change the the, the designation, uh, the sticker designation or the decal. And we got a call or an email. Yeah, this guy's got a 1999 uh, 27XS. And it's like, oh, we didn't make that boat, you know, back back at that time. And then you do a little bit of digging, and it really comes down to the HIN is where you're able to to discern what not only the model is, uh, but the year it was built and the model year it is as well. So those are important, and you know the. Um, uh, having experience with the stern drives, with the inboard outboards, you, as Matt said, you know, you got to, if you want to find that uh, engine serial number, other than the one that's on the sticker on the flame arrestor or on the valve cover, it's getting pretty much standing on your head and finding that ID tag that is riveted to the engine block. And oftentimes you're going to find that uh, towards the stern, the rear of the engine, uh, towards the transom assembly, the TSK plate. And that's where you got to kind of, well, in this, in this day and age, getting in there probably with a camera and, you know, uh, shooting some video down there and seeing if you can find it. But if it's an older boat that hasn't been well-maintained, it's got a lot of grease and grime on it, maybe a little bit of a problem. Yeah, easier said than done. All right, we got more coming up on the World of Boating. Stay close. Listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. Who are you? Uh, we're from the uh State Mental Institution. Uh, we chartered the boat. We're going to go fishing, and uh, that's all there is to it. But I won't cry myself asleep. My soul no longer weeps. But my body lies in the heart of the sea. This is the World of Boating. Greg, your first mate, Captain Patrick, Mike the Mariner, Matt Knoll, Marine Surveyor Extraordinaire, as we as we know him now. So there you go. We got a full crew. Navigating the latest boating news and information, and uh, basically uh, just sharing a few tips to make sure you know how to uh, defend yourself. If anyone, uh, you know, if law enforcement comes down on you and say, "Hey, do you actually own this? Can you prove it? Or can you prove this is your boat?" and uh, there's some hidden numbers on your vessel, and we, I think we covered that pretty good. But it, there was two stories. Did we get them both in there, Patrick? Well, no, we, we've up? got more than two stories, and before more we get to two. that, before we get to the one with the uh, that insane video out of Newport, California. Oh, right, yeah. Um, what I did want to mention because we do, uh, we're fortunate that Matt has agreed uh, to join us, despite having been on the show a couple times previous. He still comes back for more, and uh, do appreciate that. Um, Glutton for punishment, indeed. Boaters out there are want to mark their calendars. Um, April twentieth. Uh, anybody want to guess why? Um, Easter. No, no, that's a little late. I guess I don't know. Mike, uh, I, I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Great guess, but wrong. <laughs> um, uh, Matt probably knows about this, but I'm not going to put him on the spot because he wasn't adequately prepared for today's show. Uh, and see, you guys would have known the answer if you had read that email that I sent to Greg, where I had all the show topics placed out. Um. So, uh, this spring, 
new fire extinguisher oh. regulations come into effect. Right. You didn't tell us you were going to be there was going to be a quiz, Patrick. Come on. Uh, new uh, new Coast Guard regulation beginning April twentieth for disposable fire extinguisher. Uh, mandates a 12-year expiration date from the date of manufacture. Also, dis- different classifications on the fire extinguishers as well. So, those those fire extinguishers that you put in your boat when you first got it and probably haven't checked since, uh, do yourselves a favor, pull them out, find them, uh, and if they're they're covered with rust, replace them. Um, and uh, check out this story that you can find at worldofboating.com or on the World of Boating Facebook page that goes into detail as far as the different types of fire extinguishers, what's changed with the regulation, and how to make sure that when you do get pulled over at the dock for a safety inspection and your boat does check out because you listened to the show and you made sure you had to correct HINs for your boat, everything lined up, don't get popped for having the wrong fire extinguishers. We're basically just trying to keep all our listeners and passengers and boaters out of jail this week, it sounds like to me, right? Everybody but you. Well, okay. Yeah, because when I go on that virgin voyage, it's all, all bets are off. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, it's because here, here's the one that kind of throws people is the classifications. The uh, uh, You got B1 and B2. You familiar with those, Mike? Uh, I'm familiar with the classification. I yeah. don't okay. know. Uh, that, that's like the sister so, of thing one and thing two. Yeah, yeah just like that, but completely uh-huh. uh, the opposite. Right. Um the newer class are going to be uh, uh, five dash Bs. Hmm. So go from B one to B two to five dash Bs or greater, uh, depending on the size boat and where you should have your fire extinguishers and all that. So do yourself a favor, check out uh, that story on our website or on Facebook, and make sure you've got the right ones in your boat before you uh, you go out on the water because when they do those safety inspections that's something that'll just stop your day dead literally at the dock assuming of course your boat starts uh after not running it for the last 12 months hmm. yeah because that, that that never ha- that never happens never never at all all right no so, so uh, now you now we're up to date at least now from we're a legal standpoint we go on the other ones or what yeah we're going to the other ones so coming out of uh newport beach california uh, this video has come out absolutely crazy. I mean, we see uh, whether it's uh, stuff coming out of haulover, uh, you know, those live cams or the guy who goes out there and films the boats coming in and out of the inlet, uh, boat ramp videos, you know, live streams, things like that. This guy um, decided to uh, jump in the 65-foot yacht. Keys happened to be in it. And needless to say, he didn't know what he was doing. Hmm. Um, if you've seen the video, uh, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. If you haven't seen it, again, worldofboating.com or worldofboating on Facebook. Crazy, crazy video. Um, kind of looks thing- like he thought he had stolen a car. <laughs> Just, yeah. You know, he's like, oh, wait, that's right. It's a boat. Uh, back well, it up. <laughs> well, not, not, I mean, it, the, the, the news uh, article is, you know, he was on, on the run for a brief moment <laughs> and a very brief. So, he, he crashed into several other boats and docks um, before he started running a, running the boat out again. And then he hits a bridge and a seawall. Uh, and at that point, game over. Right. Yes, yeah. he was, uh, well, he <laughs> didn't have anywhere else to go, I don't guess. He did, he really didn't think this through, you know? Uh, 
Well, the people who didn't think things through, and this is where I, I think Matt kind of comes into play, uh, especially that conference that he just attended. So the the reason why the keys were in the boat was it was undergoing maintenance. Now, in, in my journeys over uh, quite a few decades working for the manufacturer I am and having traveled literally the world for them and working on customers' boats and boats at dealerships and things like that, some of these boats are on the water. Even when I was delivering the 52 and 53-foot yachts, the 42s, the 46s, never, ever, those keys came with me every single time. I had a dealer one time was like, oh, you can just leave the keys in it because I'm coming back out to it later. It's like, nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> the keys are coming with me. Uh, because those things, you know, you present somebody with an opportunity, you get the wrong person at the wrong time, right? And there goes a, you know, one point five million, uh, three million, four million, you know, dollar uh, yacht heading down the waterway, or into somebody else's boats, or into, in this case, a bridge and a seawall at the end. So, uh, Matt, I know you saw the video. Uh, is that boat going to wind up being totaled? You know, I saw the end of the video, and it kind of is from a distance. We can see the bow, and it doesn't look nearly as bad as the boats it encountered. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, good point. I would agree with that. Boat, and, and it kind of has this blunt bow design that I quite frankly think look looks absolutely hideous. But on the positive side, it seemed to hold up pretty well to well, smash gross, into stuff. I, I, prevails. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't think it was blunt when he started. <laughs> No, no, I think, it, you know, it's got this snub look. If you yeah, look yeah. at those azimuts, it's got this snub look design that looks awful. It is the worst looking boat. And it doesn't look any worse after it went through all this carnage. So, you know, <laughs> kudos to the designer. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When you look at um, the, I mean, that I don't know how much that boat weighs. If it's 65 feet, it's probably 80,000 pounds or more. It's a cruiser, so it's it's not one of the, you know, offshore fishing boats. But... <laughs> they're, they're totally lucky that nobody got killed because that well, boat true. destroyed that dock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or that nobody was on that sailboat, at least yeah. as far as we know, because that sailboat definitely took the took the brunt um, of that. And I'd probably say that sailboat's pretty well done for. Uh, I, I'd agree that sailboat's probably done. That azimuth's a late model. It's probably pretty repairable. Now, mm-hmm. from, a, from a liability standpoint, because you know it's going to head towards lawsuits, who ultimately is at fault? Is it is it going to be the, the boat owner, the owner of the boat? Um, so as you know, he's the guy who hopefully has insurance on it. Do they go after him? Do they go after the the company that was doing maintenance on it, or the uh, boat bugler? That guy has no money, Greg. Um, my, so, my suspicion, and this is a legal question, not a surveyor question. Right. My suspicion is that this will go to through some amount of legal process and there'll be some amount of uh, splitting the egg, if you will, between the different, most of those boats were in the marina. They most likely have insurance and most of those insurers will go to some amount of splitting it. The same thing happens after natural disasters like hurricanes, even though one boat may be the one that broke apart and smashed everybody else's boat. And we'd like to think that guy's responsible. Mm. Really what ends up happening usually is uh, the underwriters end up splitting that across uh, splitting the damages or covering their own damage, if you will. Right. Yeah. Subrogation. That sounds, that's a big word. Subrogation (laughs) is where, for example, if the, if the insurer of that sailboat went after the service company that left the keys and the azimuth, 
that would be subrogation. Oh, okay. Um, and, and that may well happen, but I suspect probably they'll just say, yeah, let's each go our own way. The insurer that covers the sailboat will pay their claim to their owner and, uh, and likewise for the other boat owners. Yeah. But that's just my suspicion. That's uh, time will tell and we'll probably never be privy to that information. But it's, yeah. a, it's an interesting dilemma. Chances are the boat boogler don't have no money. So they're going to go find someone who does. And that's usually, yeah. like you said, the uh, insurance companies for all the different vessels. And then they share the share the hate, or share the bill amongst <laughs> themselves. So uh, you got to deal with it accordingly. All right. More coming up on the World of Boating. Stay close. You're listening to the World of Boating Radio Network. Do you have a message or product you need to share with the boating world? Well, look no further than the World of Boating Radio Show. Just like you, thousands of boating enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Go to worldofboating.com, send us an email, and let's get to work to make your marketing message matter. Traffic sucks, unless you're scuba diving with Mike Scott. Mike glanced down at his dive computer. It showed less than 50 PSI left in his tank. Probably just a few more breaths. Or riding shotgun in a thrilling car chase. One bullet hit the Jeep's windshield, spiderwebbing the passenger side. Mike shifted into second gear and felt the Jeep leap forward. This just got serious. Escape your commute with audiobooks from author Eric Douglas. Download to your phone. Go to booksbyeric.com or audible.com. Hosting a radio show about scuba diving and boating is one of the best gigs on the planet. It's actually part of my job to check out and report on cool new products I personally use to enhance my diving and boating adventures. However, I do believe in sharing the joy, and this is why we've added Nanook protective hard cases to our list of products you can now purchase on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Nanook cases are designed to protect the most sensitive equipment in the harshest environments. Underwater photographers listen up from their high-impact NK resin to their exclusive power claw latches, Nanook has raised the bar for those of you that demand the best protection for your gear. Plus, Nanook protective cases cost less than similar products currently on the market. The company has been around for over 15 years, but it's new to the U.S., so we've made a small number of Nanook cases available exclusively for you at a special introductory price on the merchandise page at scubaradio.com. Go there now and check out Nanook, the evolution of protection. successfully navigated the sea of commerce and now are clear to cruise with the world of boating i do like the one the radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle the sun the sea air good friends brought to you by worldofboating.com your internet portal for the boating enthusiast listen up the ship is sinking okay we're going down right now just wrap your heads around the reality of that In five minutes, this ship is going to be at the bottom of the lake. And there aren't enough spaces on the lifeboat. Who are we going to save? Who's going to fix this ship? This is the World of Boning. Gregor, first mate, Captain Patrick, Mike the Mariner, and um, Matt, 
the Marine Surveyor. And by the way, Matt, I want to make sure we get this out there. For your business, if people want to connect with you, they can connect via the web and your website, which is what? Nolmarine.com. That's K-N-O-L. Yes. K-N-O-L. Two L's or one? Yep. Two L's. Nolmarine.com. There you go. And you you can connect with the... uh, the Marine, uh, you know, I don't think it says that on his website yet, but by the end of the show, it'll be updated to Marine Surveyor Extraordinaire. All right. It so does, it does say now, as heard on World of Boating. Um, so apparently he's updated it for that. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Well, there you go. We'll see how long that lasts. But, uh, Patrick, uh, we're, we're yeah. uh, you know, we got a couple other stories we're going to get out, or, or well, do they got to well, go to the Facebook uh, page or what? Uh, I want to kind of come back to uh, this, the, the last story, in that what tends to happen, so we were talking about the damage to these boats, mm-hmm. and that's where somebody like Matt winds up getting called in, and, and that's how Matt and I first met, was Matt was called to the factory to basically survey a couple load of boats that unfortunately had been involved in a traffic accident, and what ha- what seems to happen, and the discussion that I had with, um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, Matt, the the gentleman that came to the factory, Dan, Dan uh, for the tour. You know, we we had a uh, a pretty in depth discussion during the tour, and what upsets it seems boat owners. You know, they've 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 got their boat; it's it's properly insured, uh, everything like that. But then something unfortunate happens like this, and the surveyor, the the insurer comes in and says, uh, "We've uh, we've got to uh, basically uh, scrap the boat." And they're like, "Well, what? Why? This is this is my baby. This is the boat that I've had for five years, ten years, fifteen, whatever it is." And it seems that that happens because the cost of taking that boat apart to repair the damage, um, plus availability of parts especially if it's something that's unique to that boat that was made by the boat manufacturer maybe that boat's not in production any longer don't have access to the molds the molds have been scrapped the 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 insurance company comes in and says we got we got to we got to total this yeah yeah hmm yeah i mean it's similar to a car uh, and but with the exception of you usually don't care so yeah go ahead and total it out i'll just get a new car yeah i don't think people are sentimental as they are about their well, vessels. I think, I think sure. the other thing that happens is uh, people don't properly read and understand their insurance policy. And I don't know, it's totally at fault of the consumer. I'm at fault of that too. They're hard to read, but also people sometimes underinsure because these premiums are high. And then when something mm-hmm. bad happens, they're extra upset because they're getting $250,000 or whatever it is. And they can't replace what they have. You know, imagine if your truck that costs $50,000 and you only get 30,000 when it's totaled, what are you going to go buy for 30000 Not a new truck. And the same thing happens in the boating world because they're potentially underinsured, and that is that is a big problem. Sure. Yeah, that is, a especially if you have a, a lien on it, um, you know, or a loan on the boat, mm-hmm. because you, you might get an insurance settlement that is less than what you owe on the boat. Uh, well, that, that, that happened shouldn't to happen. If that happened, there's probably been some funny business going on with people playing mm-hmm. games with the loans. Usually the lender will require you to insure for at least the, for the loan amount. And, and when I say funny business, people will go shop around appraisals and try and get mm-hmm. a trumped up value to borrow more money on their boat. 
In other words, their boat probably right. should only be worth 200000 but they got a loan for 300000 They covered brokers, commissions, taxes, registration, and mm-hmm. some upgrades on the boat under the loan. And then when it gets totaled, they're not made whole on their loan because they borrowed more than it was worth. Well, how does it work in a situation when you, you buy a vessel? Uh, let's say you buy a new vessel. They depreciate much faster than the value of the loan. Right. right. So well, it depends on actually, and that, that depends on the market. We're in a really hot market, and mm-hmm. I would say that's mm-hmm. actually not true right now. Depending on the brand of boat, some of your higher end center consoles, you could drive them off the uh, out of the. You know, once you have your hand on them, if you list them for sale, you get as much or maybe even more. You might even get a premium for them. Yeah, uh, but I think it uh, goes it goes back to the insurance uh, issue. Like if you've uh, you know got the right kind of policy, I mean, you have the issue of do you get one that gives you actually replacement value or just to cover you know what's owed on it, so you're not in the hole, so to speak. I mean, Absolutely. and that goes back, yeah. you know, like you said, people underinsuring their vessels and not then realizing like, uh oh, I'm going to eat it now because I didn't I didn't insure this thing properly. I mean, it applies to cars the same way. I, and I only yep. know this because my wife's in, the, in commercial insurance. So this gets brought up quite a bit. That's, it, it does go back to checking your paperwork and making sure you know what kind of insurance you have for your vessel case, God forbid, something terrible like that happens. Yeah, I guess the, the, the reason why I brought it up is you, even with the right insurance, the appropriate coverage, you could still wind up, man, I, I mean, not, not going to, let's say, because I don't want to throw bad karma at Mike, but the guy who's docked next to Mike. Uh, really loves his boat. I mean, put a lot of s- sweat equity in it, is out there every week. He's polishing it. He's buffing it. He's, I mean, the thing is in tip-top condition, but maybe it's a, it's an older boat, and uh, somebody's coming through Lake Monroe one night and smacks into the boat, and the insurance adjuster comes out and says, can't, it's, it's going to cost more to fix it. Um, then, and he's like, what yeah. about sentimental value? Uh, eh, sorry, well, don't care. But then you got to look at that boat is going bye bye, and that—that's where it tugs at somebody's heartstrings. Yeah, no, of you're, course. you're absolutely right, and, and it happens all the time where people put forty thousand dollars worth in uh, electronics and don't update their policy, and that's not covered either. That's not good. All right, we're gonna have to wrap it up with that. Uh, Till next time, remember whether it's sail or motor, life is better, life is better as a motor. Safe boating, everyone. World of Boating is brought to you by worldofboating.com, your internet portal for the boating enthusiast. Any of this getting through to you, son? World of Boating is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. Computer standing by. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at (gasps) worldofboating.com. Computers can do that? So tell a friend and come aboard every week for the World of Boating. This is so great. I can't wait. I'm getting goosebumps. Feel me. Feel me. The radio show devoted exclusively to the boating lifestyle. TTFN, ta-ta for now. The opinions you just heard on the world of boating are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. What are you being such a weenie for? While on the water, your safety and the safety of many others depends on you. So boat smart and operate your vessel only after receiving the proper training and instruction for your area. There is a fine line between genius and madness. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at worldofboating.com.